Guys, I am so giddy today. We leave for Disney World. I'm so, so excited. And I won't go into too much detail because, I mean, there's really not much more I could say other than how excited I am to go there. The planning that went into this, because Disney does not make anything easy, was intense. But she did it. And, you know, I, I, I managed all because... It was so stressful that when I would share it with Phil, he was like, his eyes just got really big and he was like, why is Disney World so stressful? And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to have fun. I will just not include you in any of this planning because it's really like the planning that goes into the rides you want to go into and reserving the parks and getting the, the lightning passes so you can not have to stand in line for hours. Like the the logistics of all of that, right? Which I still have more to do and we leave today and I have not packed and I needed to get on here and give you something to hold you over until next week when I'm back. So we're gonna make this short and I'm not gonna elaborate too much on Disney until I get home and then I'll give you, you know, all of my excitement and everything that I really like felt and experienced and truly the goal of this trip and this is why I'm so excited is to like tap into that inner child and like just release her from the cage that apparently someone locked her in (laughs) inside me. So today I want to talk with you about the boundaries that we don't often see being discussed when you have experienced some type of trauma in your life. The boundaries go beyond your relationships. Boundaries with yourself, boundaries with the environments you enter into, boundaries with the activities you participate in, the TV shows you watch, the things you read on social media. These are boundaries that everybody should have, not just individuals who have experienced trauma, but I want to speak specifically today about the impact that those things can have on a trauma survivor. And the reason I want to do that is because a lot of survivors find themselves in situations where they're emotionally dysregulated or their nervous system is overwhelmed by something and they haven't made the connection between what is actually happening that triggered them and often it goes beyond that isolated moment where you're experiencing the symptoms in other words there was something maybe a few hours before maybe the day before maybe the people you were hanging out with maybe the tv show you watched maybe the conversation you had right you have to consider everything it's not just people in your life okay that can impact you positively or negatively. It can be a lot of other things. So let's get into that in a second. But first, I'm so excited to share my 14 days of magic progress with you today. I'm about seven days deep into the 14 day challenge. The challenge's purpose is to set three goals to better yourself while drinking Magic Mind for 14 days. I set four because I'm an overachiever over here. My first one was to improve my self-talk. 
Number two was I wanted to up my yoga practice to two times a day. Three was to set better, firmer boundaries around my self-doubt and my self-criticism. And number four was to start dancing again. So here's the deal. I'm feeling much less stressed than ever before I started this challenge, which is ironic because my workload has drastically increased in the last few weeks. I think I have to give credit though to the main ingredient in Magic Mind or one one of the main ingredients in Magic Mind, ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen. I don't know if I'm saying those correctly, but I did a little googly and look up the pronunciation. So if I'm not spot on, I'm damn close, okay? Adaptogens help your body adapt to what it needs. So for me, it's decreasing stress and boosting my mood helping me to lower my cortisol levels and relax. That has supported me in being more mindful of my self-talk and my self-doubt and my self-criticism. It's also benefiting my nervous system greatly, which is incredible. And honestly, because of that and the noticeable changes in my stress and my mood, I'm already planning to stick to drinking Magic Mind regularly after this challenge is over. Because anything that supports my nervous system to relax is something of extreme value to me. As you know, I have had in the past an overactive nervous system. So that's why I started doing yoga. That's why I wanted to up my yoga practice to two times a day. Magic Mind is definitely supporting me and my emotional, physical, and mental well-being right now. I am excited to continue on this journey for the remaining days of it and report back next week with my full experience. Remember, you can still join me and have the opportunity to win a free subscription to Magic Mind. The link and my code DOTS14 are located in the episode description. Be sure you're using the hashtag 14 days of magic to create your content about your journey with magic mind and submit it to the link that's in that episode description for the opportunity to win that free subscription. Okay. The campaign ends November 30th and I'll be picking a winner based on who filmed the most creative and visible changes in their life. So stay tuned to next week's episode because I will be giving you my full 14-day review and I'm excited to see where I'm at at that point. Okay, so now let's chat. Boundaries, right? You always hear them pertaining to relationships, but boundaries exist with ourselves. And if you're not even aware that you have boundaries with yourself, you often do, right? So have you ever like found yourself saying to you throughout the day that I can't have another cup of coffee past this hour, right? Or I can't eat one more bite of that. I'm full. Those are boundaries. (laughs) Those are limits you've set, right? Parameters that you operate within. I clearly have boundaries around food that I didn't necessarily choose for myself. They chose me. I like to look at it that way. They chose me. I didn't choose them. They chose me. Because quite frankly, I don't recall being allergic to gluten or dairy as a child. Matter of fact, my entire diet was gluten and dairy. So I'm a firm believer that I probably ate my, you know, weight 
in gluten and dairy. And then my body was like, okay, we've hit our quota enough. No more for the rest of your life. Cool. Or we'll make you sick. So I have boundaries around that. So when I buy food at the grocery store, right, those are limits that I have set. Not by choice, but well, no, no, it is by choice. If we're keeping it real, it is by choice. Because the truth is, I won't die. I'll just get really sick, right? So I don't, I, I won't go into anaphylactic shock, but I will get really sick. So for me, it's very clear. I don't want to get sick. I don't do the thing. That is the same type of energy and mindset that we have when we talk about boundaries with other people, right? When you can identify, as I always talk to you about, the behavior that you value or you do not value, right? When it's something you do not value, then the mindset is the same as food. I can't expose myself to that. It makes me sick or it gives me anxiety or I have a panic attack. But this also ripples out and to other things going on, conversations we're having with other people in our life, TV shows we're watching, things that we read and engage in on social media, music that we listen to, um, the environments we we go and, and spend our time in, okay? So I want to detail out the impact that some things have on me because it's really truly the best way always for me to teach you and help you understand this topic a little bit more and then step back and be able to reflect and examine yourself and your own life and make the connections there. I used to be an avid reality TV show watcher, okay? (laughs) I'm already laughing at myself. Um, I used to. I, I used to love it. Now, I still love watching reality TV. I know not that that's not for everybody, but I enjoy it. However, as I've worked on my trauma healing, right, and began to understand my nervous system a lot more, cleaned up the majority of the relationships that I have in my life, set very firm boundaries around the interactions and the relationships and the conversations that I was having with individuals that were not healthy for me and I did not value, that rippled back out into me realizing that I had to make some lifestyle adjustments. One of them being I had to change how I engaged with and and watched and listened to some of the TV shows that I used to just mindlessly put on and enjoy. Now, the reason that I really loved reality TV was for the drama. And I could come up with a million explanations as to why, for some reason, for me, sitting there mindlessly watching other people fighting made me feel comfortable. Not everybody is going to get this, but those of you who do, you do. And if it resonates, great. If it doesn't, just keep listening because there's something in here for you always. Okay, Don't skip. You can skip through my personal stories if you hate me as a person. If you're only here to use me for my knowledge and my brain, then like hear this out because you can always find value. I listen to everybody when I, if they come into my life and I am going to engage with them or, you know, whatever, I pull something out of every interaction I have. So if you're here, really hear this because this is really important to me that, that I deliver this message to you. Okay. For me, I grew up in an environment where the way we interacted with each other was dramatically 
It was chaotic. It was always bitching and complaining. We were always talking about each other and not always to each other behind each other's backs. Like that was the energy in the house. That was familiar to me. What's familiar to you is comfy. It's comfy, right? So I naturally, of course, then found comfort in watching other people display the same behavior for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it made me feel less crazy. It made me feel more normal that other people interacted that same way that I had been raised in and around. And that was all too familiar for me. Like it was validating. Hear this. This is so valuable. Okay. It was validating. Is that good validation? Not necessarily, but it was validating. On top of that, it allowed me to witness something familiar outside of myself without participating in it, feeling responsible for fixing it, or at the time, feeling like it took some type of emotional toll on me mentally, physically, or emotionally. So I'd watch things like The Real Housewives. I'd watch 90 Day Fiance. You know, I used to post my Instagram story about some of this stuff and kind of analyze the behavior because, again, for all the reasons I just listed. And it, it, was, it was like my thing that I enjoyed doing, right? It was my time to kind of check out, decompress, watch some drama that didn't directly involve me. And it made me feel relief. It made me feel validation. It made me feel happy. I'm not going to lie. It made me feel happy to sit there and enjoy somebody else's drama without it being my drama because I had always had so much drama growing up, right? So it, it let me off the hook in a way. But as I Proceeded to, like, as I said, clean up my boundaries around my relationships and my conversations and really get diligent and firm about who I was interacting with. Was it healthy? Was it not? How was it impacting me? And so on and so forth. I eventually started to realize that watching other people scream and yell became uncomfortable for me. Because I started cleaning up, all these other areas of my life and reducing that type of drama and chaos from all those little corners and nooks and crannies of my actual life, then the outlet that I had deemed my thing, right, to just check out and watch Real Housewives or 90 Day Fiance or whatever reality show, put it in there, I watched it. It became irritating to watch. And I, so I went from being the person where like I I had people in my life who were like, no, I get it. I watch it too. And then I had people in my life who were like, how do you watch things like that? It's so annoying. I became that person in my own head. I was like, why am I watching this? This is so annoying. This is like irritating to listen to. And all it is is screaming and yelling and they're just, and they're adult women. And why are we filming this specifically Real Housewives, right? And so I was just like, this is not even enjoyable anymore. And my exposure to it, my willingness to put it on in my free time started to reduce. It just became less and less and less. And I was like, it's just not interesting to me anymore. And I started leaning into 
honestly less TV, but the TV that I was watching was different, right? I I was more inclined to, when Phil entered my life, watch sports on TV, which I wasn't really into watching sports on TV. I would go to a sporting event if I was invited, right? But to like put it on willingly on my TV in my spare time, no. In the past, I would have chosen a reality show over a football game or a baseball game or a soccer game. But when he entered, it was like, it wasn't just Amy anymore. So Amy had to consider beyond herself. It wasn't just me and me stewing in the things that were familiar to me. I had to recognize what I was doing and exposing myself to. Somebody else had a say in it as well now. And they had a different energy and they had a different interest. And so I would start considering that and I would start leaning into new things. And before I knew it, I stopped watching some of these shows completely, but I hadn't at the time fully made the connection between what I'm explaining to you right now. And that connection was this. When I would watch something like that, I mentioned to you a little bit ago that it was validating, but not the good kind of validation, right? Like every, we, we always want validation. We want validation for when we're angry, when we're sad, and when we're happy, when we did well, and when maybe we didn't do so well. We always want to validate our emotions. But at a certain point, when you're perpetuating the same type of energy or behavior pattern or familiarity that you don't want to proceed to expose yourself to moving forward, right? So I don't want that in my future. Why do I continue to engage in it in any capacity in my present when I could just leave it in my past? Then it's like, do I actually need this validation or do I just keep defaulting to it because it's comfortable and I have yet to pause and choose an intentional new action that matches my present and the future that I keep saying I want. You guys have heard me talk in past, probably early, early episodes of this podcast about my love for Lifetime movies and how I've pretty much watched every single one. Well, that's telling, guys. That's that's telling, okay? I did love Lifetime movies and and just that type of drama, right? Again, the drama was very familiar. There's something really comforting. I have spoken to this topic a little bit before. There's something really comforting for someone who has been through some shit, okay? Who's been through some trauma or has been through some abuse. There's something really comforting and validating in watching from afar on TV, because it's not real, someone else living out a similar experience to you because it, at the time, can make you feel less alone. And that is part of the healing process. But once you move through the, I don't feel alone anymore, and I don't want to stay in this mindset anymore, and I don't want to continue to reactivate these triggers inside of me anymore, then something needs to change. And I'm not saying that every single time the behavior has to change. Like, I'm not telling you that you have to give up every TV show, every movie, every song, every whatever that you are interested in and suddenly become a a totally different version of yourself. Not necessarily. 
Sometimes it's a simple reframe in your mind where you look at it differently and you recognize and get clear with yourself, I'm getting something else from watching this. It's different from what I was getting in the past, right? I no longer watch this to feel less alone. I now watch this because I find it more fascinating or interesting or psychologically intriguing or whatever it is, right? I'm all hypotheticals, but you get my point. But sometimes it is, if especially if it activates a trigger inside of you, reducing the exposure if you can't reframe your mindset around it is essential. And for me, that was in a lot of these situations what I needed to do. One was like, I don't even want to have to think about, like I do so much work in terms of my relationships at times and reframing things with difficult people in my life that I don't want to have to spend the time trying to come up with a reframe for a stupid TV show. I'd rather just reduce my exposure to it, right? And we're all different. So this is a choice that you make for yourself. It's very individual. But my interest, now, similar topic, right? I was talking about Real Housewives, but similar topic, but a little different. When, When I'm watching something like a drama on TV, some type of movie, like, like recently, I was trying to watch... Um, Tell Me Lies, which is like, I don't know, it's very popular. A lot of people are interested in it. I don't remember if it, I think it's on Hulu. Maybe it's on Netflix. No, it's not on Netflix. I think it's on Hulu. Tell Me Lies, some sort of series. It's about like college students and clearly it's in the title, Tell Me Lies. But as I've gone to really work on my own healing I've realized a couple things, and and one of them is how sensitive I am to people lying or gaslighting me. Recognition over past experiences has, has, has emerged in my healing process and me recognizing how much I have been gaslit in the past and how strong I feel about honesty and transparency in relationships and how being still, I mean, yeah, I'm almost two years into my, my relationship, but it's still like a process to kind of peel back these layers that of trauma that are, that can be triggering at times. It, it is, it's gotten so much easier to do as time goes on, but yeah, I still have triggers. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. A lot of us do when we, we have trauma. And, and some of them we live with permanently and we just find improved ways to cope and navigate them and, and feel through them and, you know, soothe ourselves and, and whatever. But I've realized it's not healthy for me in my now relationship to watch a show about somebody cheating on someone or someone lying. Because I've been through that in my past, I'm very sensitive to that, and it can be triggering for me to witness it and listen to it outside of myself, because then what happens is I internalize it, right? So if, if I start to internalize it, I start to assume somebody else's problem is my own problem as well, which is a lack of a strong boundary there. But again, it's a layer that I've peeled back not that long ago and I started to realize, okay, as we work through this, there needs to be a boundary here 
And that boundary, because this can get so heightened and emotional for me, is reduce exposure, right? Reduce exposure. So I've come to realize that as much as I want to watch something like that, and we we tried, Phil and I sat down and watched one episode, and I was really into it because I I do like watching dramas on TV and, and movies and things like that, but I can't watch them now. I just can't because I know it plants a seed for me and that seed starts to take root. And then what happens is I become hypersensitive in my relationship. I start to get paranoid and anxious about things in my own relationship when my own relationship has nothing to do with the show I'm watching. It's just the show I'm watching is poking out a deep wound from my past and it's activating all the emotions that I felt in my past, and it's making them feel like they are real and present in my present life and in my soon-to-be future life, right? So I can't do that to myself, and I can't do that to my relationship. These are things that you obviously don't see really spoken about online, though, because number one, it requires kind of a vulnerable conversation if I'm going to give my own personal examples. But number two, it's hard to break this down into a, a, an image post with a quote or a caption other than saying, you know, you got to work on your boundaries. But these are all boundaries. I recognize I have a trigger, right? I've identified the trigger from past experiences that were not healthy, not supportive, not safe. I recognize when I expose myself to something that reminds me of that that past painful moment, that traumatizing moment, that abusive moment for me, it pushes at some of my triggers inside of me, right? It pushes at some of that pain and that wound. And what happens is I get flooded with emotion, feeling like I'm reliving that experience. That's point blank what a trauma trigger feels like across the board when you're exposed to a person or a TV show or anything. You feel it as if you're reliving the trauma in the present from the past. I have only just begun to recognize some of the little nooks and crannies in my life that need cleaning up because I've dramatically cleaned up the people and the conversations that I have. And so it's kind of honed in my focus on other areas of my life that are not supporting me and where I want to go and how I want to feel and how I want to think. And I will say, because I always get asked this question, how do I do all this work, Amy, before I meet the person that I want to be in a relationship with, right? And, and that's speaking to a romantic relationship. The reality is you can't. I put in decades of work to, to, on myself to work through a lot of my own trauma and abuse. And, and I had, you know, I have complex trauma and abuse. And there's only so much you can do without having a lived new experience. In other words, there's only so much preparation I can do before he walked into my life And as any relationship, the safest, healthiest ones, you rub at each other. That's what you do. It encourages each other to grow. The problem with someone who has trauma is when you're rubbed at like that, all of a sudden it could activate the trauma. And so it's not just this like, 
this one little piece of conflict that you can find a solution for, it feels like it's this overwhelming, unsurmounting kind of like thing collapsing down on you. And you're like, oh my God, am I right back where I started again? Am I back in that bad relationship again? I can't trust myself. Did I make the right decision? What if I'm missing something? Did I miss a red flag? Who can I ask? Who can I trust? And you go down this very deep, dark rabbit hole. And the problem is, if we clean up all of our conversations and our interactions and the environments we go into and still in our daily life, we're re-exposing ourselves to old hobbies or old things, right? Mindless activities like the TV shows that you just always found joy in and you kind of identified with, right? Like I identified as a reality TV show fan. Now it's like, oh no, I just cannot watch it anymore, because it activates something inside of me that is currently not something I need activated. Whereas when I didn't have this healthy relationship in my life, and maybe the only interactions I was having in my spare time was family and friends, then it wasn't so obvious. That's the part of trauma healing that we fail to realize, is you have to have new lived experiences to peel back some of these layers to look at them. You, you cannot, I understand the thought process around, let me just sit down, isolate myself in my room, not date, not do this, not socialize, not do that, and prepare, clean up everything so when I go out into the world, none of this happens again. And it's like, that's not how it works. Now, I'm not telling you to not respect your own boundaries when you don't feel ready to do something. I'm just saying if you go into it with the intent and the mindset of like, I'm trying to perfect myself, I'm trying to tackle all of my triggers before I do X, Y, and Z, you never tackle all of your triggers. Like triggers are something that we all have. It's just trauma triggers activate your nervous system. Whereas, you know, some of these other emotional triggers when you don't have trauma are just heightened emotions in a moment or a default to an old behavior pattern that's not serving you in this current relationship. Um, I want to kind of close this, this episode with a short little list of some of the areas that I think you should examine in your life and reflect on and maybe after listening to this episode, connect some of the dots in terms of how something impacts you. Because here's the thing, right? Let's say you watch some sort of juicy, dramatic TV show, and then you find yourself hypersensitive in your romantic relationship a few hours later or the next day, and you don't. It felt like it came out of nowhere. You have no idea where it came from. You don't know where this came from. You're just suddenly like nervous or anxious or your emotions are heightened Often, when I'm speaking to a client, or if this happens to me, I have to kind of pause with myself and be like, okay, what was the lead up to this? And I kind of do a short check and examination of the prior day and what I did, right? Like what popped out in my day that I did or listened to or read or whatever. I have enough knowledge of my own triggers that I can kind of do a a brief scan of the day before or the the lead up of the day of to that moment where my emotions are heightened. And I can usually pinpoint very quickly. I know exactly what it was. I was scrolling past something on social media. I saw something that captivated me, right? And for me, again, 
it's kind of that drama or that that juicy chaos that you know that is easy to listen to or watch for some of us outside of ourselves that was all too familiar for me for so long also I worked as an entertainment blogger for a period of time, so I had to pay attention and and got into a habit of putting on the news and digging into different like things online, Reddit, Twitter, to find celebrity gossip because I had to write about it for a living. So for me, and I could, listen, I could go even beyond that. Like I had a brief period of time in my life where I helped out a private investigator, (laughs) like being kind of like a detective, if you will, was something that was like fascinating to me, digging up dirt or like following the Twitter thread of of somebody's drama, be it a celebrity or an influencer of some kind or whatever, is something that I had a habit of doing for work in many different ways. And then just out of habit in my spare time, I would do it because I didn't ever pause and consciously think how it may or may not be impacting my life and my relationships. And and remember, when I didn't have the healthiest relationships around me, there was there was no nothing to identify in terms of impact because everything was the same everything matched each other so it was just familiarity everywhere whereas the one thing shifts the other thing then becomes a little more obvious to you that you know it's got to stay or go so some areas that i suggest you kind of reflect on especially if you feel like a trigger came out of nowhere one day What are the conversations you had prior to that moment where you're emotionally heightened? Or who was the person you spoke to? Sometimes when I have an interaction with a particular person who will go unnamed or people that will go unnamed, I find that even if the conversation is pleasant, and this is important to note, even if the conversation is very innocent and pleasant, it takes a negative toll on me due to past trauma due to childhood trauma, due to old patterns, or due to what I feel is the intention or the energy that I feel coming from that person. In other words, where do I know their mindset usually is? Is it in a manipulative place? Are they trying to pry for information kind of thing? Because I have some of those in my life. And so what feels like or sounds like to an outsider a seemingly innocent uh, conversation doesn't feel like that for me at all. It feels manipulative. It feels heavy. It feels annoying. It feels like a burden. It's irritating to me. So as brief as that encounter can be, I then sit with that emotion afterwards. And if I don't recognize the impact that that conversation will have on me, then I can't insert a coping tool right afterwards to mitigate it right? And to kind of diffuse that so that I can go on with the rest of my day without it blindly impacting me, right? So who was the person you talked to? Maybe it was a parent or a sibling or a friend that you've had some stuff with in the past. Um, what were the TV shows or the movies, as I said earlier, that you used to be drawn to and you pay attention to that you might start to notice you have become hypersensitive to some of the topics they talk about 
on a show and now you're like paranoid about them in your own life, right? Because those things have an influence and they ripple out. What is the news that you're listening to? These are boundaries that you need to set with yourself. I'm not telling you avoid these things. I'm telling you, you know, you may or may not have to reduce exposure. You may or may not need to give yourself a time limit that's very clear and intentional when you go into putting the TV on. I will only watch this for 15 minutes. Same with scrolling on social media, okay? Be it you're following somebody who's just like an influencer and they're just posting photos of themselves. Maybe what's sensitive for you is looking at a picture of a person and comparing yourself to them or getting jealous of them, something like that. So is there a way that you can reframe that experience? If not, is there a way you can set a boundary and reduce exposure to it? Or maybe just simply click on follow if you can't figure out a way to do one or the other. What are the podcasts you're listening to? What are the IG posts that you are reading the captions of or trolling the comments of? What are the environments that you're exposing yourself to? Maybe you're at a point in your life that you're younger than me (laughs) and you still hang out at bars, but maybe you're at a point where like that energy or that mindset or just that scene and what goes on in it is not for you anymore. Maybe that's not matching where, who you want to be or what you want to spend your time doing, right? Or maybe just like being out super late at night is not something you really want to expose yourself to anymore. That, that's me. That's me as some as a former party girl myself in college. As I've gotten older, it's like I like to be in bed home at like 9, 9.30 if I can. These days we have work events that go later and things like that. So I end up staying up super late or out super late once in a blue moon. But ideally, I stick to the boundary of like, I want to be in bed between 9, 930. And that's what I follow because that supports my well-being now. That supports who I want to be now. That helps me and ripples out into my next day and how I, how productive I am, how clear-minded I am, how energetic I am. Um, and for finally, the one of the most important ones, how are you connecting with the people in your life? What do you engage with? How do you bond with them? Do you bond by talking about all the drama in your life? Do you bond by only calling them up and bitching and complaining about a problem that you're having? Or do you have connections that are more fulfilling and invigorating? I'm not saying don't call your friends for support. I'm saying if every conversation you have or every intention behind making contact with them is oh my God, I need to tell them the drama that happened within my family today or with so-and-so, right? And and or every time you get together, all you do is talk about other people instead of yourselves. That's something to look at because that ripples out into your life and your relationships. It's also telling as to what is familiar for you. And the connection to that is typically similar to what I've described, which is that's how you were taught to connect, and engage. Like, unfortunately, within my family, no matter how hard some of us try when we get together to not talk about other people, there are still individuals within the family unit that are ch- have chosen to not grow. 
and therefore they default to that old pattern regardless of what you do. So what happens at that point is some people don't want to have a relationship anymore. That's not for my family. We don't do that. We get to a point where we decide, some of us decide, okay, you know what? I just accept you as you are. And I'm choosing to emotionally detach from this pattern of yours and not allow it to bother me or weigh on me or have me feel responsible for fixing it. I don't feel a need to lecture you about it or point it out to you. You've shown me repeatedly that you are comfortable with that. I'm not going to engage in it. So I'll let you shit talk people or I'll let you give me some dramatic information and that's the only way you want to call me up or send me a text message but I'm not going to engage. So you can send the text message, but it's typically going to be a one-way conversation. I might just give you a thumbs up. I might give you a heart. I might acknowledge it somehow. I might not. Depends on my own boundaries in that moment, right? So those are some areas, key focus points that I suggest, especially if you're finding yourself struggling with some of your triggers or patterns, specifically, as I stutter over my own words here, specifically in newer relationships in your life, or if you're someone who's trying to really clean up your relationships, this is a great exercise to do. Now, I will say this, okay, because I think it's going to be beneficial to some of you. If you haven't signed up for my new course, Boundary Setting for Trauma Survivors, there is a whole module about identifying your triggers, and there is a ton of supportive worksheets that I provided you in there for you to download and kind of fill in or keep and read that are really going to help you if you don't know what your triggers are and you don't know where to start in identifying them. Okay. So that is an excellent resource for you. It's a small investment in something that is a game changer in your life and your relationships. It provides you a ton of information on this topic that clearly I talk about incessantly. And so if that's something that resonates, if that's something that you're working on, then I strongly encourage you to head over to my website or the link in my Instagram bio and just take a peek. There's a free preview. So you don't even have to invest until you take a peek at some of the content, but there's a ton of stuff in there on this topic that will really, really help you and support you in moving through to a healthier mindset and a healthier way of behaving with yourself your life, and your relationships. That is all she wrote today, folks. I've got to get my shit together now for Disney World. Yay. Okay. I will speak to you next week. I will have probably tons of stories to share with you. And my birthday is on Saturday, October 29th. So um, please feel free to jump over to Instagram, send me some messages, or, you know, leave me a review under the podcast on Apple Podcasts and, and write happy birthday to me. I love those reviews. When you write me a little blurb, I adore that. It really makes my day. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, they don't let you write a little blurb, but you can totally rate the podcast with the little stars. So head over if you're listening to me and you enjoy this, do that. I'll catch you next week. Have an amazing rest of your week and weekend. I'm dipping out. I'm going to take my nice little break and I'm going to go let the inner child out of the cage. I'll talk to you soon.